Happy Wednesday, everybody. Ha, ha, ha. I didn't get you in there this time, Steve. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> How the heck are you guys? That was a nice intro. I like that. Yeah. We'll have to see what the guest thinks about it, especially after I found a video of him singing at Endless Foot Drag. <laughs> so we've got six to 12 inches of snow coming starting around eight o'clock tonight. We had no school today, excuse me, no school today. And it's been freezing rain and pretty much out of snow. And we're waiting for the big dump now. How about you, Deweese? You look like you had some tornadoes. Lots of tornadoes, bad weather, wind, lots of rain. Yeah. Yard is flooded. Yeah. But we lucked out. It's passed now and we did find no, uh, no damage here. So Kyle Lowe just shoved a dead baby gopher in my face. I was just wondering what the heck that was. So yeah, that's my life. So you're down at Kyle Lowe's, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, I want to say thank you to everybody that's in the chat and watching um, on regular YouTube. Um, Montana permanent reset is in here. Uh, Scott Starbuck. Hey, Scott, Angela and Tony, Aaron I, Kelby Cox, Copay J finally made it back. Mad Slopers here, Sean Hartman, and say hi to Jackie for me. And let's see, Randy Milstead, my husband Eric, Paramom Linda. Let's see, who else do we have maybe in here? Oh, Joe Sibley is in here. And Travis DuPont, Bill H. said he just got done with work. Thank you, sir, for joining us while you're eating dinner and the rest of us gang here. So we got a pretty cool guest. Holy cow, what the heck is this? <laughs> Hi, Kyle. Always, always looks so funny on the internet. <laughs> it's funny on the other side of the camera, huh? <laughs> I'm trying to give Steve bunny ears, but he wouldn't knows. <laughs> Bunny ears with were, a dead You were giving me bunny ears in the wrong spot, that's why. So let's say weather reports. Michigan, snowy and buried and everybody's sad. Mississippi, humid and wet. Yep. Okay. okay. Windy. Windy. We're, yeah. we're, we're perfectly mixed up in the middle here. It's yep. humid and cold. <laughs> no snow. Humid and cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right. We have a fresh supply of dead gophers if anybody's looking. No, thanks. Baby gophers. Well, let's We're join our to... guest into this party quick here, too, before we forget about him. <laughs> Martin. Hey. <laughs> Thank oh, you for you. the, Thank you for the intro. That was very nice of you, man. <laughs> You're welcome. So, Martin. Go ahead. And thanks for having me, by the way. I appreciate it. Martin, where are you from? I have a bit of a background. Uh, so I grew up an army brat and my mother's German and my father met my mother in Germany. And so they had a couple of kids. And so we have literally moved. Um, gosh, I can't tell you how many times we've moved from one side of the country to the other to out of country and Hawaii and doesn't matter wherever the army you know, sent my father, that's where we went. And then I turned around and joined myself. So did a lot of running around there too. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. So you and I met, we were just discussing that before the show. We didn't really know that we crossed paths down at Oshkosh at EAA this last summer and on the ultralight tower. And then officially we met at Fright Fest. Right. So. Right. Yep. And met a bunch of other people down there hoping to get on the show at some point also. So. So I met Martin last year at EFD when I was brand spanking new and it was super cool because he was an air boss then. And I was even scared to tell him how many flights I even had because it was like, man, I shouldn't even be here. But he was so cool because like he just talked to me and gave me everything direct and super welcoming. And I already felt like I was at Disney World going to my first big fly in. So that was super cool meeting Martin. You know, I thought I met you the year before, Steve. Yep, just the year before. And you were one of the first people that kind of talked to me there and gave me the logistics and gave me the rundown. And yeah, it was super nice. Gotcha. So let me throw this out there real fast. One huge shout out to a gentleman that got me kind of started in this business, if you will, of, of trying to help others. Uh, his He's passed away since then. And I just found out from John Black, who throws the Beach Blast every year, the last year that I went, um, his name was Lance Sum, Sum, Sumnerford, and I found out that he, he died about three years ago, but he was an air boss, and uh, I want to say the second to the last beach blast that I was at, I could not do a reverse to save my life, and I had already crashed two days prior, and Jade, you have the photos, uh, I had, I had blown up on the bleach or beach. I mean, I came, came in hot and I just blew up my whole paramotor. And the next day I got back in the saddle and started flying. And then I, uh, it was time to, to launch for the evening session. And I was trying to do a reverse, which I don't have practice in doing, but that guy Lance with, he sat there and watched me while there's about, a hundred people standing right behind him the whole time. And it's very intimidating when you're launching and they might be 30 feet from you and you're blowing launch after launch after launch. And this gentleman by the name of Lance, just he came up and he'd whisper in my helmet and tell me what I was doing wrong. And, and I never forgot that. And uh, man, I just want to throw, you know, what that is the type of air boss that I wanted to become and then Michael Holliday asked me one time if I would do some air bossing at Endless his first year when he got it from Britton Shaw out of Fort Smith. And so that's how I wound up here. There's no like official reason why uh, I didn't ask to do this job. And sometimes I don't want to do this job. But if I can help somebody and talk to them, that's what I'm that's what an air boss should do. Help them in any way, shape or form, or tell them where they're wrong or what they shouldn't do, you know, within respect. It, I think it, you're going to get something accomplished if you bring forth some respect to um, somebody who might not know the rules of, of the, the lay of the land on how a fly-in operates. So how do you get to be an air marshal? Well, you don't, you just get asked basically. And nobody I, wants I, to do it. <laughs> In a way, you know, I heard 
Jade say something a couple of weeks ago, and I, I have always kind of been like, nah, I, I don't want to be labeled as that, even though I know it comes with that label. And you know what I'm talking about, the Air, Air D. Um, I always try to be opposite of that because it's not fun um, chasing cats around, basically, especially once it's launch time and there's, um, gosh, there's, you know, one launch after the other next thing you know the sky is full and everybody's just flying around doing their thing and uh one of the things that that uh we always ask at endless foot drag is to launch and leave that's kind of the only rules that we ask regularly of any pilot that goes up in the air launch and leave and there's a reason because i remember the first time i went to a fly-in um, I was so intimidated, kind of like everybody's been intim intimidated while going to a fly-in. And I didn't know where to set up without messing somebody else up. And I was on a quad at the time. And I laid my wing out and precisely did all the lines. And next thing you know, I blew the launch. But I blew the launch so far away from everybody else that I, I could reset myself and then reset myself. And that's something why I think going to fly-ins, um, gosh, I'm all over the place, I know. But when you, when you go to a fly-in and you've never been to one talking to people like Steve did or anybody else for that matter that goes around and networks themselves is what I would recommend and or suggest for any and all new pilots or even pilots that don't know the area and might have had hundreds of flights or a thousand flights. Find out from the local pilots that run that area where to go what's something unique to see but the main thing is just getting up in the air and going somewhere else so that any and everybody else that wants to launch can do that long-winded that was perfect my first uh dealing with an air boss was at bad apples two years ago and i was very thankful that they were out there because i was new pilot and scared to death of going out there. And I'm like, I sat there for a while and I'm like, I watched how the air bosses were directing and telling them that when they could go. And I'm like, okay, I can handle that. And of course, um, um, trying to remember who my first air boss actually was. And, and then um, they were called the air, the air D's at um, moonshiners. That's where that one came mm -hmm. from. Oh. So you can't always um, say it. Um they need to change that name. Yeah. So Scott Starbucks in the chat, you know him obviously, and he wants to know, Martin, who is your IT guy helping you with your, your live feed tonight? <laughs> uh I got three people on my team, me, myself, and I, and uh hopefully they're doing a good job. Yep. We uh, far so good. <laughs> worked on it a little before the show. Um, and then Sean Hartman wants to know, did Martin dye his eyebrows for the interview? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be the no, peace negotiator for the Russian-Ukraine war because the Russians love him because his eyebrows remind him of Leonard Brezhnev. <laughs> <laughs> You know that guy. I love that guy. Have you ever seen his eyebrows? They're just bushes. They were bushes. 
I think that and, was Stalin or maybe Lenin. I don't know. And Martin, I don't no, know if you saw Lenin Brezhnev. Maybe. It was in the seventies. You're probably too young to remember. <laughs> Did you see what Kyle typed mm, in there? I'm a little, a little. And Bill H, I, I think I saw in the chat say he met you last Thanks, year Kyle. or the year before. <laughs> so. Can well, I love meeting people. That's that's some of the reason why I like being the air boss. And I have to throw a, sh a huge shout out to Scott Starbeck and, and Sean Hartman, who assisted me this year and, and Scott in the past. Uh, these guys are invaluable, if you ask me, because we're not there to push our agenda on you. We're, we're just asking you to kind of follow some some rules about air etiquette, if you will, or launching and landing. We haven't even gone over any of that, but those guys are instrumental in helping just like on some of the uh, places, the moonshiners and, and uh, bad apples that you've gone to. Um, I wish that there was a way of getting together as a whole and learning from one another and networking with, with each other to help each other out at, at, uh, at fly-ins. So everybody's on the same sheet. You can go to some fly-ins and you won't find a nair soul in sight. Nobody wants to follow any rules. And I've gone to more fly-ins without rules than I have fly-ins with rules. And I actually prefer, obviously, a, a little bit of a, an organized event. And whether I'm participating or not is regardless. I just like to feel like when it's time to launch that you don't have a bunch of cowboys up in the air and they're doing their thing and scaring everybody and intimidating those who have never launched or landed. Cause like I said, I think we've all been in that situation where we don't know when we should come down. We don't know where we should take off from, but these are all things that if you network with the, the air bosses, they'll tell you, they'll just say, yeah, go set up over there. And then that way you're out of sight, out of mind. And you're not, not in the way of those that can just take their wing, chuck it out in the in in the in the background, and next thing you know, they're hooked and, and book it real fast. And I I can do both. I prefer to kind of set up my lines a little different. Um, but I've learned so much. And oh, and back to the thing about meeting people. That is the fun of going to these fly-ins, is being able to meet people from all walks of life. And if you can help them, you just kind of gained a, a friend or, you know, a little bit of trust within the community. And then it's funny how they come back and say, hey, I appreciate you helping me. Or, you know, who did you say I should go to for this, that? Because this community is, what, what is that all about? <laughs> it just said you did it for me. So I was like, hand raise. <laughs> I just did it with a little bit more flair. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so that I wouldn't have met you or anybody else for that matter had I not been asked to do this position by Michael Holiday, and I'm kind of thankful three quarters of the time for being an air boss at Endless, and uh, the other part is not so fun when you have to kind of ask people, and if you have to repetitively say the same thing over and over again, then it gets a little like, okay, now you're you're pushing my buttons and why what 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 do you gain from trying to push my buttons and i did because the guy just told me i like screwing with you i was like oh okay you know wasn't too bright if you ask me but oh well, well 
Angela's got a good question. Having not gone to a fly-in yet, can you tell her about an Airboss? Is there more than one and are they certified? None of us are certified. We are all just kind of that ingrained in the paramotor system where we kind of probably love just helping people out and keeping some sort of order so that there's safety around us at all times. And we have a good time. If you're having a good time and if you feel safe, then you'll want to come back because realistically fly-ins are fun to go. And, and even it's the time when you're not flying that you're networking with people and talking and having fun. And uh, what was the first part of that question? Um, just tell, tell her about an air boss and is there more than one? Oh, so an air boss more or less just tries to keep the peace on the, the LZ and we are there to help you if you need help. A lot of people, I, I, I encourage them to wave me off. If they blow a launch, wave me off. I won't come help you. Um, if you want help, or sometimes you might even say, you know, oh, I'm good and you're all pissed off already because you blew your launch. But this might be an opportunity if you blow your launch to let somebody else who has experience in setting up a wing, he might be able to help you. And then it gives you some time and some opportunity to kind of think within what you did wrong that might have messed up your launch. And those air bosses, the ones that are patient, and I know uh, Sean and Scott are like that. That's that's just kind of what's expected. And when you come to Endless and probably a lot of other uh, fly-ins. Now, if they're stacked behind each other, <clears throat> then that becomes a problem. And then you set up in the wrong place. You shouldn't have set up in a place or thrown your wing and got your gear all set up. And then now you're going to sort out each line. And I've seen it happen half a dozen times where somebody will – throw their wing out there, and then they'll go get their paramotor and you'll see them in 20 minutes. Well, by then, if you do that at Endless, we're going to gather up your wing and we're going to set it off to the side for you because now you're messing yeah, everybody Martin, up. Martin had to get on my butt because I had all my stuff laid out, but then I took 20 minutes to go change into my dress and he's like, dude, you can't <laughs> do that. You got to go. You got to come dress for the occasion and go. Have your heels ready. Yeah, you got to have your have your dress already <laughs> on. So Kyle Oakley wants to know what's the best technique when dealing with a pissed off contestant. Kyle wants to know what is the best technique when dealing with pissed off contestants or well, other pilots. Other pilots. Participants. <laughs> best customers. I don't pilots. know how to say it. I picked a word. <laughs> Random pilots. noun selection. I say get out of their way, first of all, you know, let them set up. But if they're already screwing up, you might have to kind of intervene and kind of ask them, you know, or almost tell them sometimes. I wouldn't do that with Kyle. I've already seen him launch enough to know uh, that boy knows what he's doing for sure. Yeah, but uh, there's other personalities like people who get pissed off when you're trying to hold them accountable because they're flying over campers or doing stuff they're not supposed to in the LZ. How do you, have you had much experience having to deal with those types of people? I think there's an inside, inside coup going on. Yes. There's a problem with people like that. They're all over the place. You just getting under my skin <laughs> when you do that. <laughs> so how do you, how do you handle it though? I mean, 
So I try to do it the gentleman-like way, and I give them the stink eye as they're doing it. <laughs> and, okay, I, I, here's something that I tried to invoke uh, that I learned when watching videos. I wanted to put numbers on everybody's paramotor. It's a sticker on the front and back of the cage, lower left portion with a number. That number is assigned to you when you come into the to the fly-in. That way we you know. Oh. Scarlet A on me. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Just numbers. And, and that way we know who we're dealing with because then we can go one-on-one. -on -one and typically we always have a, a safety meeting every every uh, evening prior to the to the evening launch. We put out the same rules pretty much every day about what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And there's those that like to push the envelope. And, and I almost sometimes have an understanding because we all are so used to flying um, in our own territory. We know our own ability. And sometimes we just flat out forget that we shouldn't be doing that. So a lot of times, depending on, on who the person is, if it's their first time doing it, I will figure out who they are by wing color or if I know them. And that's another reason why as an air boss, you get to know these people because then Scott will remember or Sean will remember who he helped. And then we'll go to them and say, hey, could you do me a favor next time when you're out there flying around? Please don't fly over the campers because I had, uh, man, I've seen it happens all the time. It does. And the only thing we can do is try to maintain the peace by going to them, asking them politely not to do it. And hopefully they'll adhere because no one has ever been kicked off uh, the property at endless foot drag. And um, I hope it doesn't ever happen, but if somebody wants to break the rules and they're that blatant, maybe we'll just have to make an example of them one day. So with that being said, how would you deal with Matt Minyard? <laughs> let's keep the keep names out of here <laughs> so i've dealt with matt a, i've dealt with matt a couple of times and i you know i i got nothing but mad props for his skills and ability as a pilot but he does know how to push some envelopes and since he seems to be a separate zip code sometimes you got to kind of work with him and i think I don't know. Sometimes it's hard because he is, he is, uh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a tough question. You know what you're doing over there in Louisiana, you guys for crying out loud. <laughs> oh, there's more than a Matt Minyard. There seems to be a few from Louisiana that like to push the envelope, but yeah, that's all you can do is ask them. Huh? <laughs> Oh, I, I said it's the Southern guys. Those are the troublemakers. Exactly. Don't, don't do any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, I think it's a lot of Southern guys. <laughs> You've always done good, Kyle. Uh, thank you. I had no idea. <laughs> so I never know. Sometimes I'm just in trouble, and I never figure out exactly how all that got started. You know too many eyes are on you. That's why. Everywhere you go, somebody's watching you. You know that. I used Filming to be you. just an anonymous face in the crowd. What happened? Filming you. He's got all sorts of adult films made that he doesn't even know about because people are filming and watching. You got right. That's what happened. Hey, 
Jade, you were going to ask something, but throw that camera back on Kyle. I wanted to say something to Kyle that I haven't, I don't remember. Do you remember at Endless Foot Drag in Fort Smith the first time you went? Yeah. I remember yeah, that's watching where we, that's you. Where we met. Yeah. I remember watching you and you hadn't begun your career of making videos. And I always remember you were kind of, there was a bunch of guys. You remember that guy that, set his scout down uh he set his wing right on a tarp um doggone it shane denherder he came in yeah. he took off from a tarp and then he landed his tarp right back on the tarp after a flight and i remember all those guys were huddled around and and i remember you kind of like looking on the outside and now it's just funny how the tables have changed where everybody's looking at you you know <laughs> what i mean and so that that's kind of cool to me that's how far you go back too you my know? apologies for anyone looking at my at me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not too rough. You're not too rough. <laughs> no, I've, I've had a haircut recently. <laughs> Glad to see that. Glad to see that. That'll. It's no longer getting in my gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not in the boudin. Oh, good Oh, P.S. I just got a new box to mail you some boudin. Yes. So it's on. It'll be on the way shortly. <laughs> Coming to Wisconsin. We had boudin last night, and I put gumbo in the boudin. The oh, first time awesome. I did that, it was amazing. Was it good? Sounds amazing. How'd you put it in the boudin? Well, instead of rice, I used boudin. It's got it's got rice in it though, right? Yeah, it's mostly rice. Boudin. But, yeah. But it was like boudin instead of rice. It was just boudin and gumbo. It was a, I may have invented a new thing. You may have. Nothing wrong with that. That's good yeah. food right there. Paramotor pallet fuel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So I had going back to new people. So if you have a new pilot, can you tell the walking out there on the sidelines? Can you tell, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, let's say the, LZ isn't real busy right now and there's a new person kind of like nervous and they go set up their stuff. Are you willing to go out there and give them some words of encouragement and everything like that? You're not going to, you know, scare them off and make them go down in a back corner or anything like that. Well, absolutely. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to kind of make them feel welcome for one, but I want to, I want to know, like what experience they have prior to just going and setting up because if they're, if it looks like they're just going to take a long time to set up and we know that, you know, there's going to be people coming and going and next thing you know, their wing is going to get tacoed all over the place. I'll offer them a ride because thanks to the city of Fredonia in Kansas, we are provided as air bosses, we are provided with uh, golf carts. And so we're able to kind of take people uh, to a further location to launch. And they're always, as, as a matter of fact, that's kind of typically what we do as air bosses as well. Once you land out somewhere, it doesn't matter where you land out. If, if you're within the county or driving distance, we, we come and get you with our vehicles or we come and get you with our uh, golf carts or we'll take you somewhere and give you that time alone off, you know, and, that way you can kind of feel a little more at ease when it's time to, to take off. Because again, I think everybody here always will remember what it was like. I hope everybody realizes that everybody is 
different and we all operate different. And when it's time to launch, we need some time to kind of think about what it is that we have to do. And we know some eyes are on us and, and uh, sometimes it's best to just go a little further out and then, you know, set your plan up and make sure that your runway is, is, is where it needs to be before you launch. But helping people is, is, is something that I bet every air boss that really enjoys his job does. He's, he's there to help. We're here to, we're here to serve in, uh, in Eric Farewell's famous words. He's here to serve. Same with what we do at Endless Foot Drag. We're here to help people, you know, enjoy their time while they're there. All right. And just like Travis had said a little bit earlier, he said his wife purposely landed way out at EFD and Martin drove his golf cart out to check on her. So... And if, you know, we post, we post phone numbers on my camper of any and everybody that's kind of a part of the staff at, at Endless. And a lot of people I see taking pictures and then you can call anybody at Endless. I feel like I'm doing a infomercial on Endless, but <laughs> it's for, it's for all fly-ins. I'm sure they're all like that. I wish I knew more people at, at, at other fly-ins that do, that do this job so we could all get on the same sheet. Um, what is that one in Palm Beach, Florida? I heard that they have signs and they'll tell you only one launch at a time. Is, did somebody say that earlier? Is that what they do at other fly-ins? No, not that I am aware of. No. I've heard in some cases where if you get the red, you stop and you wait. And then yeah. if you get the green, then you, you're able to take off because they're limited oh. on, on uh, LZ. That was yeah. Oshkosh. That's what I had to do. Yeah, that's right. That's really not a bad idea, though. You can actually visibly mm -hmm. see those signs. So if Jackie have, Hartman wants to know, has Martin ever considered modeling? And I, I only ask this question because I have the same question because he is a beautiful man. And <laughs> yeah, that was like the best part about EFD is because I out and it just made my make it a blush. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. We're, we're supposed to talk about safety. Uh, you need to get on with that. Man. We warned you. Well, not really. Kind of, sort of. It's okay. It's okay. All right, he did away with my question. Here it is about the flight pattern. Uh, Tony wants to know, don't you guys have a flight pattern before you fly or do you just go up and wing it? Wing it. Wing it. We have so much land out there. You, I mean, I guess Tony has never been to Endless and you're welcome to come out anytime or look up the Fredonia Airport in Fredonia, Kansas, and you'll see that this is, um, I think it's a 2,500 feet uh sliver of cement it's a, it's a it's a landing it's an airport big enough to facilitate a certain size uh aircraft and so on both sides of that cement um uh, landing strip if you will i'm not calling it right i'm getting a little nervous but uh, on both sides you can take off from and there's there's so much land out there that we don't we don't require a pattern i almost don't even think that 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 would be worth our time to try to try to initiate something like that because there's just a lot of land out there. 
but it's a good question. And I can I could second that when I was brand new, I was super afraid to do it and whatnot. But if you just let the majority of people get up and get out, like it and Martin's he always reiterates like once you launch, get the hell out of the area. Eventually things thin out and it even got comfortable for me. I've been in some situations where I had to taxi around some people, but it's really not a big deal. As long as people aren't flying and scooting around where you're trying to land, like it's it's actually pretty easy, even out of big flying. I got something. Mm -hmm. Uh oh, Kyle's got something to add. I got something to add. You know, coming Talk from the flight, you know, we do the gaggle flying. Sometimes I was in South America one time and there may maybe was 50 pilots in a thermal together, you know, and we're all going the same way at about the same speed. So at a fly-in, you know, when you're taking off and landing, you know, aside from the acceleration or after the flare, everybody's moving about the same pace in the same direction if there's wind blowing. So that really limits a lot of the like collision avoidance that you would need with different speed aircraft. It's when you get the Yahoo that's, that's buzzing in and out and, and being a goofus out there where that's happening. That's, that's where you get a problem. Just like when you're in the mm -hmm. gaggle and you got some butthole that just blasts right through the middle of the thermal, you know, hey, butthole, get out of the way. And and it's, it messes it up for everybody else that, you know, you're all kind of in the same pattern, same direction, whether you're coming in or leaving, it's in the wind, typically speaking. So that that really does help the fact that we're all on a similar speed craft and nobody's really overtaking anyone. Now, do the peers, once you, I mean, once you guys get, get together and – uh land do, do you guys pull that guy or go up to him afterwards and say dude what was that you know no no we usually land in, you know 50 miles away everybody everywhere else i mean you oh. might know some people in the gaggle this is this is at a place where people are coming from all over the world you know you might have them speak their language you don't even know uh, if they're experienced or new it, it could be you just got to watch out that's just something about being a pilot see and avoid you know, you look before you go, and if everybody's looking before they move, it rarely happens. In it. There's rarely an incident if that's being followed by everyone. That's why it's so there's important. Always gonna, there's always going to be one in a bunch. It's going to mess up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Depending yeah, on what state where, you live in. Martin comes in. That's where Martin comes in. If he sees somebody afflicting yeah. that pattern, you know, <laughs> just the, the flow of things, that's where he shakes his finger and, and pulls out the old bull or the laser pointer or whatever fancy gun they give you, you know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I just well, want to mention that the fact that we're all moving the same speed and basically the same direction out of an LZ that, that really helps. It really does. That's, so my yeah, mom is always that. Yeah. Right. That's, that's why we need people like Martin there. Yeah. <laughs> what? So my mom has stepped up and she's asking a question. Which fly-ins have air bosses? I want to say I know of only three, and and you mentioned two of them, Jade. Um, unless someone else can have some input, um, I only know of three that that have actual, you know, air bosses. Okay, and then and Angela's asking, do you know if Sultan Sea or Flying Circus have air bosses? Hmm. <laughs> I can almost guarantee Circus doesn't have it just because of all the war stories. And I've never been to Salton Sea, and I don't think I've ever heard the, the word mentioned there either. Okay. I Hold on. Because uh, yeah. I, I thought Circus didn't have 
any I, news I edited, or anything. I edited the Flying Circus video today. This is from last February. And so I edited it, and I, it, I was mentioned in the safety meeting. We all had a meeting that morning. And they, we gathered up, and I thought it was going to be this big briefing. And a guy says, don't do anything stupid. And he just dropped the mic, and that was it. That was the safety brief. <laughs> don't do anything stupid. And – I didn't. You can't. You can't mess that up. That that says it all right there. You know. Yep. (laughs) Maybe we ought to incorporate that one of these days. Just don't do anything stupid. But this is this is the paramotor community. There's always a rogue someone that wants to push the envelope. That's another thing we got to hone in on this subject. Um. Once people get up and go and launch and you, you know, those that like to loiter when they're flying because they, they have that natural desire to be seen. But if there's 150 guys up and girls up in the air, nobody cares what you're doing. Nobody knows it's you to begin with. So why are you flying around screwing up everybody's air is it's kind of one of those personal opinions that I have about how that works. People intentionally go up and and then they just do their thing knowing they shouldn't be doing that because it's been said every safety meeting, go launch and go away. But somebody has to do their laps around and, you know, I guess in their mind they're saying, look at me, look at me. And nobody cares realistically because we all do it. So I hope that touches someone's strings, heart strings right there. I don't know who. <laughs> because if you've seen accidents and I know everyone has it's not fun to remember what I've seen in some cases it's not fun to see somebody's bones sticking out of their body or blood coming out of their face and then withering in pain and doing a lot of self-inflicted uh, accidents that go on with this sport and this is a lot of uh a lot of things that can be avoided within this sport if they would just launch and go somewhere else and, and fly. But I don't know. I don't know how many more times I can say it with it sticking. So do you think it's a good idea to have a pilot briefing once or every day? Every day. Every day. And I wish yeah, sometimes okay. <clears throat> it so I have a little bit of a military background in me and sometimes I I feel like some sort of organization to me gets your your point across. And even if it has to be reiterated constantly per meeting, I think that maybe one of those times it'll stick. Don't fly over the campers. Don't fly over the campers. You know, you can say it in different languages and they're still going to do it sometimes. Well, I was coming over and then the wind changed and then I saw this person and he wanted to photo me. And I mean, you hear it all. And it's like, you want to say, come on, man. You know, you can do that at your home field or somewhere where it's safer. But when you're doing it and we ask you out aloud, don't do that. And you do it anyways. Again, it's sometimes a little frustrating and that's maybe where some people get the definition of somebody being an air D because some people have, they don't have patience for that after a while. And I luckily have the patience. I don't want to, I don't want to make enemies. I want to help people. That's what we're there for. 
um, <clears throat> and to have a good time. And that way, there's there's nothing that goes on uh, at a that will shut down a fly-in faster than when somebody perishes, and that happens too, unfortunately. And you know, it's something you can't you can't scratch out of your eyes. I've never knock on wood seen somebody die in person, um, but it would be pretty pretty rough to remember seeing that person coming down, you know, and then have to call somebody to go get an ambulance and then they're dead. That's just horrible. Horrible. Yeah. There's enough of that that goes on in this sport. We don't need any more. Right. Right. Cool. So <clears throat> one of the things that I kind of like wanted to bring up about, I guess, when it's time to set up and you've got your location and you've got what you're going to do and a lot of people don't do this because we're not used to flying with a lot of people, but you know, just looking over your shoulder both times, because there'll be some people they sh should know better, but they'll come in over on top of you and, and come in for a landing because Lord knows they, they don't need to walk any more than they should. And so they'll, they'll actually land on top and I've seen a wing, come up and then someone clipped with their with their legs as as the wing was coming up they were coming down and they were already fully committed motor off and that's just another thing that could be avoided so a lot of times when people are uh, beginning their launch if you just look after you've done your your motor warm-up you look over each one of your shoulders or if you can just one shoulder is fine make sure that nobody's coming in and then decide to take off it's it's a big help and it could could avoid an accident in in that area as well. I don't think that I really talk about that at Endless too often. That's why my first couple of landings, my first couple of landings at like fly-ins, I would always land at the edge of the field so I'd stay out of people's way because I just knew I didn't have the precision or or whatever. I just wanted the margin, but I just gotta say everywhere is within walking distance. If you have the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And why people don't take advantage of that. I don't know. I don't know. You know, spot landing is something that I love to do even when I'm not like when I fly by myself, which is probably more than three quarters of the time I fly by myself and I like to practice touch and goes or spot landings because that will one day pay off if you ever have a motor out or something goes wrong and you have to land knowing how to land is just as important. And so Michael holiday, before he passed away, he was, he was not too much of a stickler. He wanted to hold um, the standard as a, you know, for most people, pilots coming in being a PPG two or above. And he, he didn't really push that. And I'm kind of glad he didn't because then it would kind of limit a lot of people from coming in, but practicing spot landing is it's, I think it's probably the single most important versus launching launching. I, I think I'm not saying I'm the best at it, but um, landing for me was the hardest one that, uh, and that, that I had trouble with. And now that I've got it pretty much down packed, I, I just prefer coming in landing and taking back off again, or that's, that's fun to me. But when you, when you need that exercise and I have to throw a shout out, shout out. Matt Miller has been a huge 
um, influence in my life as far as mentoring me on how to operate. And I just reached out to him one day because he flew the same wing and the same motor as I had. And I thought, you know, what better person would there be than to message somebody who flies the same thing? And so I reached out to him. We've become friends and he is actual um, licensed pilot to begin with. So he's taught me um, more than, man, I, I, I suggest that for everybody. Learn how to talk to people and find somebody to talk to and ask those questions that you might not be able to find in that PPG Bible or you might not know even where to resource to reach out to somebody, get out of that shell that you're in and, and talk to somebody who can help you. Uh, Airboss is there for you when, when you're at the, the foot drag or when you're at moonshiners, but reach out to people and start talking to them and ask them questions on weather. And if, it, cause I'm not a good reader by trade. I just not good at reading and understanding what it is that I read all the time. So I just ask questions and, that's how you get a lot of information um, on how to do what we do for fun, because this is such a life and death sport. And we make it look like it's all hunky dory sometimes or we don't care or look at me. But it is such a life and death sport that it's important to know what to do if you're a couple hundred feet up in the air and something goes wrong. What are you going to do? You know, you I have to agree with you. I do agree with you about the spot landing practice because I have bad aim. Just look at my bathroom. You have what? Never mind. <laughs> oh, is that another imp improv? Okay. <laughs> Something about spot angel. No. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> what? You're paying me top dollar for this. Come on. <laughs> Look in the chat, they're talking about this Mr. Gizzard. I thought they were talking about a person. <laughs> Turns out it's a dog that got hit by a mail truck. It's Kyle's dog. Yes, Kyle, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. So Tony's asking, um, what equipment do you fly? I see. Okay. Yeah, it's, giz it's Gizmo. Tony, there's only one piece of equipment. You got it. You see that? Nirvana. Oh. Uh, I'm a Nirvana guy. We're a little snothead. We're snotty. That's what some people say. We're not Wait, at Steve, all. It's are just, you Nirvana? I'm a Nirvana guy, too. Oh, they make the best clothes. Nirvana yeah. shirt guy. <laughs> like, people can argue gear all day long, every frame, wing, whatever. Nobody makes better clothes than Nirvana. Are you disagreeing with me or no? I just joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> but when I'm coming halfway in because I just got a new Dudek wing, but I ordered it in Nirvana colors, so I can at least like say I sort of fly Nirvana. Good for you. What colors? All orange and, and uh, yes, orange and black. Colors, orange, orange, blue, and white. Orange, blue, and okay, that's a rodeo. Or what is that one w with the red line or something like that? I don't know. There's so many things, but yeah. Are you rocking an F flight now? No, I flew Shannon's Adam eighty at Fredonia once. Boy, that you got to be you got you got to. 
you got to not weigh as much as I do to try an Adam 80 because that no, thing has Nirvana, a Nirvana F flight. Is that what you're rocking now? No, just the instinct. Just the oh, instinct. Oh, man. I may be yeah. loaded, but I ain't rich. Ugh. Well, I don't know what to say about that. It's you get what you pay for, but everybody, you know, we all know the deal about that. Well, An Adam eighty thousand dollars for a ninety-pound motor and frame. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could fly an Adam eighty regularly. You those things don't they? It doesn't cost any fuel. This guy flies an Adam eighty all the time. I just you do, Kyle. I just watched him take off on a 15-meter speed wing on an Atom 80. Really? Zero conditions, right? Zero, That's impressive. No wind. It was no wind. You had to run a long time. I'm, but I'm you got it. <laughs> I did have to run. <laughs> huh. I can't remember the name of the wing on the Atom 80. Uh, Rick Spitter would know that, but I – yeah, it's it. I'm too fat for for an Atom 80. I just can't do it no more. I can't. No, it, even it with a lot of wind, I flew. It's like blowing 15, and it's, it's the only way I can stay in shape. I don't do running otherwise. <clears throat> I had a I had to quit running gotcha. because the ice cubes kept falling out of my glass. Physical exercise program. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony's asking, what do you think about an electric? paramotor so i am no authority on that although i have that friend of mine matt miller who is not too impressed with what's going on with the electric paramotor right now i guess they're still working out some issues with the electric part and evidently parts and everything is kind of i don't want to say wrong with it i'm not trying to ruin anybody's you know opportunity to kind of sell paramotors that way but you don't see them too often, and when you do, um, they don't seem to be flying around too much. Didn't we have one in uh, Fowler at Mixer's place? One guy showed up with an electric PPG. Yeah. Uh, Eric is saying yes. Okay. Yeah. Said he didn't see him fly, though. That's my point. He did fly <laughs> once, and it was real fast. <laughs> No, you know, I'd love to see I'd love to see the paramotor world go in that direction if that's what somebody wants, uh, an electric paramotor, but for me, I'm still happy. I'm one of those guys I, if I buy something, I plan on holding on to that thing for a long time to get my money's worth. Whereas some people can cycle the wings out, they can cycle the paramotors, they can't figure out, you know, they don't like the way it feels and they don't like this and i'm like no i'm not throwing my money away i don't throw my money away on things just because i don't like them i have to suck them up buttercup and just deal with it because this stuff is expensive yep mad yeah. sloper he's got a sp140 eppg it's no no problems what has he got uh sp140 eppg i don't know what that stands for but he's He's got one, and he has no that's problem. A, that's the most common one. Mad Slipper, do you got the one prop or the four props? <clears throat> so he ought, to, he ought to come on one of these days and try to push his you know, thought process. I'd love to hear more about it as well, but the, the one person that I know that kind of stays close to that, he said he has not switched over because – I guess there's a parts issue. There's, uh, 
there's just some issues going on with the electric paramotor right now that you can't, uh, you know, once you blow up your paramotor the first time, you're SOL until, um, until you can either make your own parts or, or wait it out. And nobody wants to do that. He says it's a tri-blade, 140 uh, centimeters. 140 centimeters. Oh, Where does he nice. live? What state? Uh, Nevada. You live in Nevada? Nevada. He's out in Vegas. And those aren't bad. If your flying style is like a half hour, 45 minutes, I mean, some of the super experienced pros, you look at Kyle Mooney, he takes a 10, 15-minute rip and he's done. That's not a bad solution for some folks. Yeah. I agree. That's something I haven't seen Kyle in a while. Um, man, that dude, he's impressive. There's so many impressive pilots out there that, that do what they do. I, I, I enjoy and admire watching those guys that go out and fly. I wish there were a way to create competitions um, for them, those that want to do acro and a way to score them and create some sort of contest that, you know, that the paramotor world at a fly-in could watch. That would be fun. And the Mad Slipper says his typical flight lasts about 30 minutes. That's not too bad. No. For somebody who enjoys 30 minutes, I got to have more sometimes for sure. Yeah. It, it's been almost a month and a half I've been without flying since uh, mixers fly in. I haven't flown since then. This is the longest in almost eight years that I've been flying that I have not flown. Oh, Terrible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It just, just ended now. Just quit. You're done. Just go play on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want more questions about fly-ins because that's, um, I don't know. I, I, I want to talk more or help people if I can that uh, don't know anything about it or want to know about it. They can even message me separately because I want to, I want to help whoever needs help. And I think it should be kind of self-governed, if you will. If you see somebody doing something wrong out there in the paramotor world that, you know, if you know how to tactfully go up to them and, and you can approach them in a manner that's not offensive and maybe just pick their brains about how or why they did what they did. Because sometimes I see, man, we all see it. We see some dumb stuff going on and it's not, it's like, I don't even know if they know what, what could potentially happen when it comes to uh, mechanical road. That's something that I've always kind of feared. It's something you can't see, but it exists. And then, you know, like with what Kylo always talks about with the weather, the stuff that I've learned from him and his videos, just listening to him about weather I've gone up in the air. We all have. And as soon as you go up, you, you start feeling rain hit your face or if the temperature changes real fast, land out. I think that should, be, you know, I, I don't know if everybody knows that or not, but when something happens and it's that drastic, it's best to just land out and cut your losses that way than to try to come back in. Um, one of the most spectacular <clears throat> landings I've ever seen in my life was by Chris Montez, and I wished um, he would make a video, but at Endless one one evening, there was a, like a windstorm that that or a storm that was coming in, and Steve knows where I park my trailer, 
but he came in behind my trailer and the wind was coming right towards him and and everybody was everybody was kind of crashing if you didn't know how to handle this strong wind you were as soon as you landed and you didn't um, kill your wing you were going to get drugged by your wing and we've seen a bunch of that happen and it was it's ugly to watch but this guy came in behind my trailer about 20 feet above and then he just set it down like an angel right behind that trailer and I tried to email uh, Tucker Gott once to try to make a, a video of that because that was something that I had never seen before. And I started going around the camp and talking to some of the veterans of this sport. And, you know, I've had some people even say, yeah, you can you can do that easy behind a clump of trees. Just come in right behind a clump of trees and set it down 20, 30 feet before um, the clump of trees. And I was like, I didn't know that you could do that. But that's, I wish somebody would make a video like that. And uh, then you could learn something serious about how to land in bad weather like that. Maybe Kyle would do it. I don't know. Uh, I had you on mute. He would definitely land in rotor. I would, I would do it. How does this work? 100%. We got some strong winds next week. We got to do it next week. So... You know, we don't have any clumps of trees. It's just all trees. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Kyle. Do you know Chris Montez, Kyle? Let me tell you the best landing I or the most the most memorable landing I ever saw Chris do. It was at okay. first, second, third. It was back when it was in Fort Smith, the EFD. And I've got my my headset on, and I'm jamming some classical music, like some orchestral. I don't know Mozart or something. Strings, no words, no lyrics, and it's just oh, do, 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 and. I'm getting ready to do a reverse and I turn around and Chris smashes this flat top paramotor into the ground and, and the propeller goes through the gas tanks and he slides about 50 feet over to where he was camped. And I'm watching it. It's happened like 20 feet from me where he hit. And, it, and all I can hear is this music playing I, and seeing him go across the grass like that. And it was like, wow, that was impressive. You know, it just, I never heard the first sound, but. He gets up and he, he kind of kicks that paramotor over and pulls out another one and goes again and takes off. <laughs> it was a hoot. It was amazing. Just just my perspective of it. And I mean, I get it. He bent the flat top. They do bend. They do break. Seen oh it. yeah. <laughs> no, if you if you ever if you ever get a chance, Kyle, talk to him about his landing at Endless and ask him if he could or just tell you and then you figure out how to make a video because that was the baddest landing I've ever seen in my life in the strongest wind. Behind the, behind the trailer, like like in the rotor zone? Yep. Like yeah, he flew 20 feet above the ground for probably a football field and then – I'd say 30 feet prior to smacking into my trailer, he just set it down nice, turned around, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen a smoother landing in all my life in yeah, those kind of conditions. Colorado, you know, that's where he's from. That's his home base. So he's, he's all yeah. the time in wind, and it's windy there a lot. And, um, you know, he's, he's pushing all the time. I had seen Chris in a minute. He travels a lot, but we, yeah. we spent some, some time together. He went with me on the Para Carnival, him and Tucky. And uh, right. we've hung out for weeks on end in the past at a lot of the foot drags. And then again, I've been out West a few times, met up with them and hung out, but uh, mm -hmm. he's fun. He's, he's, he's kind of a shorter fella. And he's got that, 
that flat top. It's like hitting him in the heels the whole time. It's, I get a kick <laughs> out of him flying that thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm rude. Do you want to hit it? Then? No, no, I'm oh, good. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> but, All uh, right. Yeah, I, love, I love those guys. They're a hoot. So, Kyle, while you're on here, Scuba says he's waiting for more Kyle O daily weather forecast stream. I told you, you need to make this a thing. Like, you're going to be the weatherman for BBG. Like, if you're in Pennsylvania, you got some shit coming. And then it would be the saddest weather report that you've ever heard. <laughs> Just probably peppered with filthy language. And I would probably. I don't know. I might get 20 people to watch that. <laughs> well, it would be all of us. <laughs> yeah, and all that matters. Quality over right. quantity, right? Right. There you go. <laughs> and yeah. Now, there, uh, there's professionals that write the reports. You could go find them three times a day, middle of the night, early in the morning, afternoon, and special updates when there's changes. For example, <laughs> yesterday we had rain with a sprinkling of tornadoes it was quite the <laughs> quite the weather exhibit in our area yesterday and uh yeah not kidding hang around him he reads like 20 minute long like weather reports all the time yeah like i just curl up in my bunkie and he just it puts everybody to sleep yeah, the yeah. vocabulary goes some of it goes right through me and i've studied it for years just so <laughs> it's uh but yeah yeah you can get the weather report several times a day for your area it's a forecast discussion is what it's called. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, that's something that should be incorporated into fly-ins and I'm, I'm kind of bad about that, but talking about the weather should be done at least or posted somewhere. Three times a day, pilot. every day. <laughs> yeah. It should be posted. Yeah. That's good. If you want to be a good call. pilot, you want to be in tune with the weather because that's, that's the element we're in. You know, yep. if there's a change coming and you're not aware of it and you fly into it. It could, it could hurt you or kill you or scare you or all of the above or none of that's the above. Right. But, but if you know about it, you know, what's, that's G.I. Joe. No one's half the battle. You know, if that's you right. understand what's happening, you know, that's huge. And that's where I, that's really what got me into it was you know, initially when I went to pilot school, you know, weather is a big part of pilot school, but it's on such a broader level. You know, you're, you're, you're looking at it on an airplane scale. But when I picked up paragliding, you know, and especially mountain flying in the thermals, you know, I, it, it, there's a whole micro level of weather that they don't even talk about on the news and stuff that, you know, you start looking at how things happen. For example, behind the trailer, behind the trees, behind the little mountain, you know, what was the, I went to a, the, there's a volcano video I did where I camped on a volcano out there in the Mojave and all the weather predictions were showing east winds. And so I drove over there to the east side of the volcano on the caldera and, the winds were all weird and I just hiked around to the top and I realized that the sun was shining on the West face and it was making its own weather there. And the wind was blasting up the side of the mountain that was facing West and all around the Valley, everything was supposed to be East, but that one little bubble had a nice West wind ended up surfing it all evening by myself. But it was just one of those observational moments, you know, like, although all the weather forecasts said East, that's, that's not what I was getting there, but, had to look at it and see it. That, that was just kind of a, a weird little thing that I, I picked up on. But, you know, it's there to look at and see. There's there's signs. That, uh, Good call. You know, stuff, weather stuff. <laughs> well, we want more of it. Uh, That's right. I'm, I'm have to do so. It's been a minute. You said you're getting bored with stuff. I'm telling <laughs> I'm you. Just, I've just done so many videos. I, I don't know what else I could say. I really am having a You're going to be our daily weather struggle. <laughs> what have I not said about paramotors, you know? Talking about <laughs> weather in Pennsylvania, I don't care about this. I'm going to watch. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll make some weather content. I, I will. Fun stuff. I, I know I had a question. Thinking of uh, Kyle making his video on making his helmet. Martin, what kind of helmet are you flying in? If I can show some of the pictures. So that's the uh, Nirvana's own little helmet that they have, uh, and it's that's a good helmet right there. I don't know if. No big. Amen. No, not that much. But they <laughs> like their helmet. I'm coming in. Tweets, <laughs> there's his legs. Yeah, cute Ooh. legs. <laughs> hey, so question for Martin. Do those legs go all the way up? <laughs> yes, right. up to my hips. There's Scott. Oh, that's my inner Viking. Yep, hang on. Nirvana we'll go back has to really good gloves. Trying to find the. There we go. Oh, there, it was. there it is. Oh, sexy. Let's see. You've it. never I... seen that helmet, Jaden? No. I'm going to try that to find That is the lightest. It's made out of dolomite. It's a tough black rock that won't cop out when the heat's all about. Oh, here. You can see the helmet. See how the, ear, how the ear muffs, if you will, are integrated into the helmet? This is the only one. I do not like that Teletubby look. And I've had those kind of helmets before, a couple of them. And, and this one just kind of keeps it sleek, but you can't hear much of anything once that helmet gets put on your head. And it's not that it's tight on your, your neck or around your skull. It's not tight at all, but those earmuffs on there are good, very good. And they, they've got speakers in them and uh, capabilities of having uh, two-way radios or aviation radios. So really good helmet. Okay. Um, that was in Ohio, by the way. Mad Slipper wants to know if they launch um, weather balloons from the airport at EFD for the no. flying. No? No. Yeah. I believe that's what he's asking. It's a good question. And I've heard some people do that at fly-ins, you know, where they launch. Uh, a lot of old-timers I've seen do that at fly-ins. But, yeah, we don't do that. That was in Florida, obviously. I want to go to Florida. That was in Oshkosh. Yeah, this year? No, you want to go to Texas is where you want to go. You can <laughs> camp, fly. It's perfect. Florida is too much work. Texas is better than Florida for paramotor activities. Is it really? You can drive right out on the beach. Nobody's there oh. to mess with you. You can camp, fly. I mean, the sand's packed good. There's nobody yeah. around. Even in, in the summer, it's not as many people as Florida. And you know, Florida is just so wrapped up. It's East Coast, right. it's tight, thick with people and problems. But Texas, yeah. there's room. You can spread out, pick you a spot, you know, have a picnic, fly, have a drink, have an eat, swim, fly, have a drink, have an eat, swim, and just repeat Barbecue. as many times as you want. So that That's was the first year, uh, Jade, on that picture, that was the first year we flew in. Uh, that was the year that everybody was allowed to, to paramotor into uh, the the Oshkosh. The, uh, Oshkosh. It, yeah, the that was that was something spectacular right there. Well, this is kind of down towards the South Forty. Yeah, it is. Have yeah. you heard they're going to 
make a separate field for us? Yes, and not this year, but in a couple of years at least. Wait, where? Where do they do a second field? Ours will be down at here. Oh, really? South 40 area, I believe. Yeah. yeah, I almost got in trouble there. You had to fly a it's specific easy to get pattern. Trouble. That's and, right. Uh, I asked That's Justin cool. Fox what to do. He's like, follow everybody else. Well, it doesn't help when everybody's blowing their launches and stuff, and you're the first one up. And what is the first thing you do? Climb high. And I was like way too high at Oshkosh. Yeah. And luckily, mm -hmm. they were cool with it. No place to land. That was in Michigan. That was in Indiana. Yeah. Those all I tell you what. Uh huh. That was uh, I think, fifteen, two thousand fifteen. <laughs> I missed it. I said you could retire if you had all those. <laughs> yeah, good call. Look at that RV in the like background too. Yeah, there's a lot of money in paramotors. What's this? Wow. <laughs> I got a got a horny toad lizard, a turtle, and a rattlesnake, and that was in California. When I was in high school, <laughs> <laughs> like lunchtime. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's Matt Miller. That's my boy. See, that was a cool picture because that was the first time I'd ever seen a, I, I hope I say it right, either an Amish or hey, a is Mennonite. That me? Yeah. Oh, no, that's not me. <laughs> yeah. She was, she knew what she was doing and she took off. And that was impressive. She strapped her, her skirt or whatever, her dress. She put straps all around it and just took off from, uh, that was also at Oshkosh at uh, Pickett Field. Nice. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Y'all got to check that out, Jade. Instead of uh, we 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 have our own little paramotor world going on at Pickett Field. Hmm. And S Scott Starbeck's in charge of it. So if you want any questions, he'll 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 guide you on what you uh, what you need to do, where to go, all that stuff. And it's just by donations that we stay there. Okay. Yeah. Where's that? Also in Florida. Beautiful. Yeah. I want to say either Pensacola or, yeah, probably Pensacola. Hmm. How about this one? Believe it or not, that is one cool uh, statue that's like in the ground mm -hmm. and his legs are popping up all over the place and it's here in the St. Louis area. It's at a park. Cool. Isn't that something? It's like he's trying to keep from being swallowed by the earth mm -hmm. or he's trying to escape the earth and come out of it. I don't know. It's, uh, it's your interpretation. <laughs> you should have hung your paramotor from his thumb. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to believe this. I have a sad story to say about that picture. <clears throat> I just bought that paramotor probably a week prior to that picture. I sat it up there. I took a picture. And all of a sudden, I just saw it slowly but surely. Blue oh. just fell right off of that thing. Oh, no. 
Yep. Broke a spar, broke a bent, a, a cage part. I was so mad because I was headed to go flying somewhere, but I thought, Oh, I know where a cool statue is. I'm going to take a picture of that. And then and I, I turned around and dropped that paramotor right off. That's about four or five feet off, off the ground. <laughs> I had one sitting on the back of a truck one time and took off a little too fast and it took the nose dive. It just squashed the top of the hoop exactly though. Mm. Mm. That's a cool I know picture. the sadness you speak of though. <laughs> <laughs> you feel my pain. I've bent a few. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also believe you me. Other people bent a few of mine too. <laughs> I, I bet. That's probably that's so that, school, right? I pull up my pillow right? and they're all beat to hell. You know, I'm just seeing how long they can last and what breaks first. And, uh, right. Like, this is yours. I'm like, yeah, I kind of, you know, I share it. <laughs> Got a lot of first flights and first attempts. <laughs> so that's my there. backyard. Just looking at, I just bought that paramotor and just put it together. And I was like, I wish it looked like that now. Man. Say, it looks like you just blew the leaves, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was May of 2017 when I bought that. Uh, Icarus. Mr. Icarus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I went to Florida for that race, actually. And uh, on the second day, I, I turtled. First and only time I've ever turtled. But that's what I, I was in that uh, Icarus race. And I... I, I had to excuse myself because I didn't have enough spare parts. Yeah, they were trying to get me to do one of those in Arkansas when they when they did the EFD there. They were having one and they were begging me to do it. And the course was going to take them straight into Mountain Rotor, and the clouds were below the tops of the mountains. And I just laughed and was like, "No!" And I think everybody that took off crashed. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't feel bad, Martin. I've always had to excuse huh. myself too because I'm nothing but spare parts. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good shot. Right? This one's even yeah. better. I just, I bet I passed my trip. I set my camera up there and I had one of those remote controls on the GoPro. And I bet I passed that same spot five or six times just, just to learn how to use the camera. But yeah, I. I Flying in the snow is not an issue. It's not, as long as the weather's right. Right. Just don't eat the yellow stuff. Uh-oh. That's right. Yeah. Sweet. That's a, so that was that's on, an $800 prop. Yep. That was one That was one accident at, at Beach Blast. And, oh, man, I'm telling you, I blasted in so hard because I was going to do the right thing. And I, I followed Jeff Goins' uh, video where he says, run along the beach, then come inland, do your final. And I grabbed the wrong, uh, I grabbed uh, the, the wrong, it wasn't my brake toggle. I grabbed my uh, wingtip steering and it just piled me right into the ground. And I blew up my whole paramotor, just blew it up. Look at that thing. Precious baby. Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing that was uh, a rodeo. What is that? Yeah, that's a, a rodeo. <laughs> it's a mess. That's what it is. It's, it's, I think yeah, it's good to look back and laugh, though. You know, I mean, paramotors, you can crash them and, and fold them up and then literally zip time, duct tape them, and then fly them an hour later. 
What other thing can you Good do call. that with in the aviation world? Good call. I mean, it, it, we really, who cares if they got the 50 zip ties and some duct tape? They work, they run, they don't fall apart in flight, and they keep the lines out of the propeller. Right. You know? And this is, and, and this yeah, is it's how nice good. to have shiny things. Of course, we like shiny things. We're people. But, right. <laughs> the magic isn't this, in what it looks like, it's what it does. So, see, that's I just right. wish I had the same kind of tools for my love life abilities. Maybe I should have took my first one. I wrecked to Kylo. He could have put What'd it you back got? together. <laughs> oh, oh. I got some skills band-aiding them now. I've been practicing that for years. <laughs> so let but me, let still, me throw a little. something to be said that I, I always kind of laugh like, oh, I broke it. And then I'm doing the math in my head. Like it's broke. I can have it flying in one and a half hours. Like stand by, still daylight, you know. And and boom, it works, and we fly it. It's I just there's nothing else. Like oh, you hit an airplane, you bump an airplane on a hangar door. It's like all bets are off. Call the mechanic. Let's take it apart and inspect it. You know, and yeah. and that's what they need because you know airplanes need to work way better than paramotors. But you know the motor is you know just to reiterate, it's an accessory. You know we're flying that glider, we're in that harness. And it's the ass to wing connection that is vital and crucial. And as long as that's good, you can have an egg beater back there pushing you. That's on fire, and it's it's still doing the job. And uh, yeah. when it dies, it you still got the wing connected to your butt. So it's that's the beauty of these things. They're just accessories to flying glider, and and that's where the magic is really at. Hey, this is a kids show. You can't say the ass word on here. Ooh, I told you not to get me on here. I burn it. <laughs> The trash hole is open. You don't ever know what's going to fall out. Yeah. <laughs> I Let me throw one last story about motor. Sure. That, that, that picture uh, of my blown up rodeo, I did that on the first flight when I got to Beach Glass. The first flight that evening, I blew up my paramotor and I, I was distraught. I didn't know what to do. If it weren't for Cameron Klein, he, he knew Mike Tiffy, and Mike Tiffy brought both a rodeo and an instinct to that fly-in. And that following morning, I called through Cameron Klein. I called Mike Tiffy and he says, hey, I'll buy any part you have for the rodeo. He says, no, no. And I had never, mind you, ne I had never met Mike Tiffy before in my life. Um, and he says, I tell you what, you come over here and grab whatever part you want, and you know the deal if something happens. And I was like, Good call. So I took his propeller, his cage parts, put it on my rodeo and went flying that that morning. But that's just how good this community is as far as the people that we know and uh, that we work with or not, not work with, but associate with. They're willing to give anything that they have to help you get that flight in. And I knew I found a home within the paramotor community when somebody's willing to do something like that without even ever having met you before. So what a, what a cool community we have. hundred percent. Definitely is. Yeah. yeah. Scott yeah, so Starbeck wants to know what kind of training did you use to fly the flag into the NASCAR track? <laughs> what kind of training? I didn't have any training other than flying a flag a couple of three or four times at different locations, but, uh, that was, a that was, a 
Woody Hayes actually showed up and helped me. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. I flew at night, and I'd never done a night flight before, and the NASCAR track that I flew. On the interwebs? We're not supposed to fly at night. Oh. It's illegal. <laughs> I had permission from the NASCAR people. How's that? That's right. Wavered. You wavered. Anyways, Good old boy I waver. flew <laughs> at night, and there's a bowl at that NASCAR track, and that Man, I was getting rocked around pretty good. I knew not to go in it because I think that would have been kind of the end of my my flight because that rotor coming off of that NASCAR track would have been pretty ugly. So I stayed above it and I flew, but there was no training. But thanks for that question, Scott. That that was one touching, like that was a moment that I literally cried when I was flying because I could hear people singing the national anthem as as the announcer saying, you know, you know, this flag is being carried by Martin Henderson. And, and then you hear people singing the national anthem and then they clap. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I I lost it while flying. And then I landed real fast and I was happy. It was over with. Very fun. So, nice. yeah. All right. Um Eric, and I know Bill H. brought it up earlier, too, and Eric had asked, why don't you and Scott put together an Airboss group to train pilots to be bosses for fly-ins? And then Bill H., I think way back when we were originally talking about this, said something about maybe get a group with the USPPA together. Mm-hmm. That is an excellent no, All you idea. need is a golf cart. That's all you need to be an air boss, right? And a shirt. No, I'm you got to be made for it. It's like maybe she was born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be a, it'd be a good idea uh, if, if we could get a, a group of guys that were that interested in, in air bossing. I would surely be interested in it. And then what to go the to ladies? different events. Ladies can be super bossy. Can't forget about them. Just look at Weezy. Yeah, well, they're they're welcome too. They'll probably do a better job than we would. <laughs> Women would do a much better job than we would. She strikes God, a beer and I am not bossy. Oh, I I forgot. Usually I start the show this way, but I forgot to ask a really important question. Hey Weezy, how you hey, doing? Steve. How hey Weezy. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> So you guys got any other questions for Martin or any on the topic of fly-ins? Um, bring them now. If anybody wants to maybe join in on the chat. Um, oh, one thing I did want to say is, I, no, I'm sorry. I did not know that Kyle was coming in. There was a possibility, Steve said this morning, but Kyle escaped Surprise. work <laughs> at the last minute here and... As long as he present today. Hey, I got a question. Do you do you miss just being a regular contestant at a fly-in, Martin? That's endless. I do. It I get almost so like bad. A job, like a, a, I've been, you know, back in the shooting days when I was pistoling all over the country, and you know, I would, I would run some of these matches, and it became just like suck the love out of it because you're not you're doing something else instead of. What everybody else is doing you know everybody else is either flying or in my case shooting 
and then you've got this sort of job to do that's not paid, yep. not really appreciated as much as I think it should be. But then right. I was wondering if you missed that, like just going and doing the flying things, you know, flying and then having a beer later and, and being done and not have to not have to shake your, your finger at anyone, right? <laughs> right. So I do miss that, but we got uh, new leadership. Uh, Landon March took over this, this year's uh, Endless Foot Drag, and he separated. Uh, originally, my job was air boss slash park, parking lot attendant slash anything that Michael Holiday needed done, he would radio me, and then I would do it. And it was a sun up, sundown for seven days straight. Who and was I, your saving grace? I, I got, Who was your saving I got grace burnt out. Who was Scott Starbeck yeah. and Sean Hartman? Big wow, time that help. Was not what I was looking for at all. Oh, oh. What what were you looking for? Full fish and wink. Come on. Full what? You oh, didn't the, have to worry the, about the, parking and registering. Yeah. Thankfully. Thankfully. Yeah, no, we had a we had an issue. We had a couple of issues. <laughs> um, had no issues. But you had no issues we had issues. We had issues. Dang. But hopefully they got resolved and buried. Um, I don't know. But back to the leadership part. We have a new leader in Landon March who's kind of my boss at Endless Foot Drag. And he pretty much separated and gave the parking to the uh, Nebraska Paramotor. And so they are helping out big time. And yeah, big props for that. And that helps because then everybody gets a piece of the pie and can help a fly-in because it was too much for me. And I, I was ready to throw in the towel. Like, I don't want to do this no more when you take the fun away from it. So each one of the air bosses at Endless picks a morning shift or an evening shift. And then they say, right, it's time for me to fly. And then it gives the other two the responsibility of watching what's going on and meeting you know, doing their job while the other person gets to go fly. So it is, it is well appreciated. I can't say it enough for those two. And just to piggyback off of Kyle's question with that. So like this year I got volunteered to register and park like all week. And right. yeah, it took me away from flying and stuff sometimes, but I absolutely loved it. Cause when I go to fly-ins, I don't consider that like, going to fly and have the best flying I've ever had. I, I, I kind of go to those things to see people like that's my main sure. mission. So usually I don't need a whole lot of flying to be satisfied. If I get my, a little bit of alone time to do that, I'm perfectly happy. But if I have the opportunity to help out and make it a little bit better, I mean, that's, that's so much better. I can go home and fly my butt off, you know? Well, so next year, leave that job of yours behind and get out there and, and, and even intermingle some more because you were on that PC almost all day, every day. That's how I have the freedom to be able to go around so much is because I do that. You know, it's a uh, take. Someday yeah, you when I'm older, I've got a job. Shit ton of cash. Oh, I can't say shit on the interwebs. It's oh, a kid's show. Bummer. You know, when it's I get my pharmacist degree and... Yeah, I can afford it. <laughs> it's called, all you got to do is say sugar, honey, iced tea, and we'll know what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you're saying. So Tony wants to know. <laughs> They're not real big on acronyms in Nebraska. 
Tony wants to know who's above the air bosses. Is there a boss over you guys? Yeah, well, it's Landon the, March. Yeah, the the guy, the new leadership that we have, he's the one that kind of runs the whole show. He can fire me, hire me, tell me to just walk away. It's his call. So, and that goes probably for any and all uh, fly-ins. Whoever's hosting the fly-in, if he's got some people willing to help, um, I I was kind of thinking that Endless was the only place that I'd want to do some air bossing because now you're stepping into other territory and you don't know everybody in that area and it just if it becomes work then it's not going to be too much it's not fun when when like what you said kyle it's if, if you lose it it's luster it's not worth the time so you I think, think it would be something be you would want to do all over everywhere you know again like posting the fly-in you know get the local guys to be the air bosses and Exactly. Would it be easier to boss uh, to do, do the air boss if you didn't know the people? Well, you don't know probably more than half the people. Uh, well, I'd say in my case now, I, I feel like I know quite a few people because this is the th fourth or fifth year that I've done the, the endless. Um, so I, I have a general idea, even though I've taken myself off of Facebook. I don't um, I don't know who is the who right now and when they show up it's a good opportunity to to get to know somebody if they're willing to break bread if they don't want to break bread which there's a lot of people that don't want to small talk and you know when you feel that vibe you have to you have to bounce because that's on them the very end of the field by itself good call the hermit you don't get to the, see all my selfies the paramotor like hermit. five times a day Right. So, Martin, Eric's got a question. Some pilots think that air bosses are babysitters. What What do you think the safety record would be at EFD if there was no air bosses? Uh, what would the? It is kind of babysitting. It's it's a word salad game now. Thanks, Shannon. It's a word. It's a word game. So. I don't want to look at it as babysitting. I want to look at it like these are free, you know, free adults in, in, a, in a hobby or a sport that we do that we, we have to self-govern ourselves. Um, I don't see why it should be looked upon as being kind of uh, where somebody, if you're an adult and you buy a toy, that you strap on your back and you have to be told several times what not to do. Um, I, I, I wish sometimes people would see that this isn't me wanting to be a bad person about asking you to do something. It's because I have an area of responsibility and it's my responsibility to ensure safety at a fly-in. That's all. And I want to help people. I really do. I think that's the fun of it. I wish... I had more time sometimes to help everybody, even on technique. A lot of times when you see somebody and you see them fail the second or third launch, I take videos from behind them. I don't never sit in front of them, but I'll, I'll videotape that. And if they feel like watching this video, then they might see that they're off or they put applied too much brake or that their wing had a cravat in it or whatever. You know, if they're willing to take the time to learn something, I'm willing to show them that video real fast because I want to help people. I don't think I want to instruct. 
I don't know, uh, man, I don't know how people do that. That instructing so, thing does not seem fun. I want to chime in on this with like how much attention we pay to safety and whatnot and what your job is because, you know, when you think in numbers at a fly-in, all it takes is one. If one person got seriously injured or died, mm -hmm. I mean, that hits everybody. I mean, that's a horrible thing to happen. You know, we all assume certain risks, but if it's done safely, it doesn't happen. But if it does, that will kill everybody. Uh, Kyle, and I wish he was here to back me up on this, but he's got an EFD video from like three or four years ago where he was flying and he got radioed that somebody crashed and he went home just entirely heartbroken. Like it only just takes that one person. I've been there when there's an accident and that accident wasn't, you know, a collision or anything. They just spun their glider outside my camper. But uh, some of the unregulated fly-ins like Salt and Sea, where you're hearing stories like Ryan Southwell getting his wings shredded up and stuff because hey. there's so much air congestion, people not paying attention. It just takes one super bad accident and you care about that one person, but it's not like you walk away from a fly-in thinking, oh, two people broke their backs. That was a good fly-in. No, it, it just takes one. And, you know, that's that's what the job is, is where people don't collide and that we're all making smart decisions to put yeah, ourselves in the It's a good fly-in when everybody goes home safe. That's right. a good fly-in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody just needs to go home safe. That's right. the whole point. And and one one screw up is going to ruin that, right. like in a big way. It's not like, hey, we we do this dangerous activity. Oh, we assume that's not how it works. If something happens, that's going to kill us because it's preventable. When we're right. smart, ninety nine percent of the time, something's preventable. Right. Good call. Yes, definitely. And I have grown to um, at these fly-ins that you go to in any given state, in any city within the state, they appreciate that we show up. But then when it turns into a liability of somebody having been hurt on an airport or yeah. privately, I mean, you've heard, I don't know if you guys have heard, there's lawsuits that are involved when somebody hurts themselves and then they go to suing the people who own the land or who they had uh, a run in with. There's been several midair collisions where there's still things going on with these collisions that um, that's that's the reason why they shut the flight in the fly in down. They can't do it anymore. So that's why I like safety. I mean, it's that important. And it's the it's the reason why a fly-in will no longer exist when somebody gets hurt that bad. So, right. Mm -hmm. When a flight for life has to come and get that person, and I've seen that happen now already. Well, this was quite a few years ago. Luckily, nothing was ever like the fly-in did not stop because of it. I think it got too big, and I think if. Um, when that happened, it's just the, the in, in, it's in Florida and, and Florida, like Kyle was saying, it's and it's big time over there. And that's in that state. So they just had to shut the fly in down. So we don't want that to happen in the Midwest or where, where we live. That wouldn't be fun. 
Correct. I'm sure everybody's seen some bad stuff. I know I've seen some and it still kind of haunts me. So, yeah, I was just telling them, uh, you know, they talk about accidents, like, like the number of accidents that are flying or whatever, but it just takes that one really bad. You were at EFD. It was a fatality years ago and you went home pretty fun. Like it, it doesn't matter how many, you don't walk away. Like there's three accidents. That was good flying. It was like, Oh, I was flying. One guy died. I was conflicted. You know, they, I thought it was my friend, Brian. They, I, I got a broken phone call and I could only pick up pieces of the phone call. And it was, uh, you know, what I was hearing was Brian West was dead. And you know, I was just, I was only like 30 miles away from the field on a cross country. I just turned around and headed back and I flew right back and, and over the scene of the accident. And I, and the whole time on the way back, I was thinking about it. And then I got back and seen the fatality was not him. Like I saw the, the pilot there on the ground and, and I recognized the guy and I, and I, and it was weird. I didn't want to be happy that it wasn't Brian because it was a guy dead there. But at the same time, I, I, it was strange. It put me in a strange spot emotionally, but that was the reason EFD moved to Kansas anyway, because the guy who owned the field. I met him. There was a fly in there, but the first time somebody got killed, it was over, and they were out. And, uh, you know, Britain lost that sod farm because of that. But anyway, that, that's, yeah. that was the deal they made year, you know, decades before there was us there, you know, and that happened. This was the deal the guy made initially with Britain. As, you know, you yeah. have it. If somebody gets got, you're gone. And that was the deal. So, but, but personally, that was – what they was telling me was a guy that came with Brian West was dead, but all I was hearing was the last part of the sentence. And uh, anyway, it was, I was happy that it wasn't him, but I was sad that it was anyone. So again, totally conflicted emotions. I never felt like that before. I thought thought that I this feeling, and then all of a sudden, I, nope, you're wrong. And <laughs> how do you feel about that? You know, it's, it it blew my mind, and it took me a minute to get past that. So. I met that guy. I met that guy the day before he passed away. Me too. Me too. It 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 wasn't it wasn't. uh, I I, he you know again this this goes back to a big time of safety that it's never covered. A lot of people fly, and they start graduating themselves into wings. And I think Kyle's made a video of that or whatever. And then I don't know Brad Roper, but he said something very good recently um that there should be a like a written standard or that the the USPPA should put out kind of a standard that in order for you to graduate to the next wing and the next level you should have x amount of hours on that wing to understand what all it can do and that's the first person that ever put that out publicly and i i commend him for those words because so many people are graduating themselves to another level, to another level. And next thing you know, they're doing things on so low to the ground. And when they, they wipe out and hurt themselves, they didn't even know how to operate that wing. So yeah, but how, I like how that kind of stuff. You can't gauge yeah, I mean, by this hours. Guy, this guy in particular was on a universal. I mean, one of the best wings out there for new guys. And he was just doing things well, he shouldn't have been doing. He was hard spirals, and they told him not to do it thank the day you. before. And he, he was, was told doing hard to round do spirals, and we we don't know what happened, obviously. But my buddy Jim he saw was, him go all the way to the ground, just like that. Yeah, you know, plowed in. 
Now, but you know, gradu- this is graduating where- wings, more like graduating skills, I guess, would be a thing. But how do you measure that? How do you? Everybody's so different. Hours, hours, yeah. like a hundred hours on a wing before you graduate to the next. It's an it's an option that could be exercised. Maybe just knowing. I don't know. Like I still haven't hit every aspect of what my wing can do, and I probably never will. But that's not my my style of fly. Y'all may spend more time like like looking at the numbers. I've I've not looked at statistics in a while. I know when I started, drowning was a bit the number one fatality. The number one mm-hmm. injury was a body part in the propeller. You know, I've I've got one of those. But uh you know, I think recently I heard whether it's true or not, I don't know, but that low acro fatalities had taken the lead over drownings. And Again, I don't know. That's just hearsay. I heard somebody say it. Don't know if it's true or not, but you do see a lot of it, you know, online. People wingy dingying too low and then kaplow, you know, the motor goes out and they're not at the right altitude and they smack it in. I call it the danger zone. That sort of 50 feet down to yeah. 20 feet area-ish, you know, it's a, it's not hard lines in the sand, but that low area where when you go big and you miss, you hit the dirt. And, you know, and, and that's when people are really, really taking bangers. And uh, I don't know, somebody might want to look that up and report back later. But, you know, low acro, that, that's Seems the problem. It's been the last two years, yeah. That's the problem for sure. And I think it's people yeah. pushing too hard or crowds. You know, crowds are something to – I think that's where fly-ins get so trickety too in your situation as an air boss is everybody wants to do things where people can see them. Yeah. You know, the crowd gets you in trouble. It's gotten me in trouble. You know, you do things when people are watching. I one time I got blowed over a mountain. I was free flying and I was doing passes by these onlookers. They were at an overlook. And I was I wouldn't even do anything silly. I was just making a, a right turn. I was doing right turns by these people. And I come around to do a right turn and all of a sudden I got drilled with sink and I had to go over the back and land in a damn tree like a bird. But it was because I was doing stuff close to the people. That was the reason it happened ultimately, you know, and I wasn't being low acro or anything. I was just kind of waving, just going by and sort of waving. They were yelling and taking pictures, but it certainly got me and it could get anybody. But, uh, you know, lesson learned. I, I ignore the crowd now. I just kind of go away from them and do my thing, hopefully, where nobody can see me. Yeah, crowds and attention is terrible. Like, cross-dressers cause so many accidents <laughs> because they, like, see me flying. They're like, oh, fuck. They like pull and then they hey, get themselves language. into a situation and then they crash on the ground. Yeah, it's a thing. Everybody should should consider it. You know, Britain, yeah. bringing him back to the conversation, he told me way back, he said, look, when people are watching, make it look easy. He's like wing overs and barrel rows. He said that makes people nervous. They get tense and scared and it leaves a bad feeling the, for to the unknown. Yeah. You know, I had that situation here. My dad, I was – He's a golfer. He's always at the golf course. And so I just happened to be flying near the golf course one evening. And I looked down, there's a gigantic field next to it. And I'm like, oh, I want to go foot drag down there. There's a flag. There was no wind blowing. I was like, yeah. So I do like wing over, wing over, barrel roll, level out, foot drag. But him and his golfing buddies see me, you, 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 you know, behind the trees. And they're like, oh, my God, he's down. Call 911. And, you know, daddy called me later. He's like, don't you ever do that shit where I can see you. <laughs> you can't see the shit where this is the goddamn show. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, but again, it made it, his Britain's words came back to my mind. Like, 
You know, if people can watch, just fly straight and level. That's good enough. They think it's yep. amazing. If they've never seen it, just like, wow, that guy, he's flying a parachute with a fan. You know, it's, you don't have to do any tricks for him. Just being there. And exactly. This guy is kind of enough. So if you look it's at it from enough. that perspective, that's what I always try to do now. If there's traffic or crowds or people, I just, again, just sort of fly by and wave there, you know? Yeah, I got a piranha for a new pet, guys. There you go. Look at, this is what piranhas look like now. They eat everything. <laughs> a blue healer. Good-looking dog there. That's it. So, Mark, is yes, um, Sean Hartman a air boss also? He is. Okay. He is. He's uh, hopefully going to help out next year. I don't know. I haven't even talked to him about it. But, yeah, he, he helped out for the first time this year, uh, which is greatly appreciated. Big time. Big help. Right. I appreciate then, him, too, because he's a really good-looking air boss. Yeah. And then um, Travis has got a question. Um, did you know or have you flown with Kenny Loudermilk? I did not know him. I wish I'm kind of glad I didn't because we all kind of know how he passed away. Yeah. Um, and this this brings me into another small segment about flying and choosing where to fly. So I did. I do don't know this gentleman. I don't know if I'm going to get myself into a bit of a trouble, but I know where he flew. And when you have a motor out there, you sink, you sink into, you, you, you go into the river. It's a big wide river and he shouldn't have been flying that low over water, you know, especially without some sort of, uh, uh, a gamma. Yeah. And I have a feeling that he might've been drawing a crowd because there's a parking rest area there. And if he had a motor out, there was no place to land but the wild, but the water, and that's uh, it's an unfortunate scenario. That again, I've flown with people who have no landouts, so I I'm always the one that's grabbing some altitude. I I don't mess with that stuff because you got no place to land, and I and I'm quite sure everybody has been taught if they've been trained, always have a place to land out, and I've I remember. Kyle O's video on that, you know, it's like we constantly should be looking if something were to happen, is that where I would land? Is that, can I land there? And that's the way you should fly, period. But some people, I don't know how they've been trained. I don't, it's unfortunate because this is, you know, this gentleman with a young daughter passed away and they still haven't found him up here. Um, right. And this was avoidable. For sure. Well, easy, uh, easy way to do it. How I t do my students is, you know, we draw it out. Like when you're here and the wind is here and your field is there, where's the best spot to be? And what puts you and just go to that spot. It's like a preemptive, you know, strike. And if you can do it at one field, you can do it at any field. And if you real good at spot landing, you can do it at a small field, you know, with obstructions. Mm -hmm. And and it just got, you know, it's all, it's the same game though. You know, what I do as an experienced pilot, is the exact same fundamental things that we teach the brand new guys to do and girls too. And just a note yeah. about tree landings, you're talking about options, you know, at the edge of the river, typically there's trees. I've, I've personally been witness to at least a dozen tree landings, most of them in the free flight, you know, scenarios, but every one of them, the, like the type of injuries that I've seen every time we've ever approached the pilot after they were in a tree landings, like, are you okay? They say, yeah, I got a scratch on my arm. That, that, that's the sentence that comes up over and over is, 
I got a scratch on my arm and maybe my glider's ripped a little bit. But tree landings seem to be relatively benign, you know. And if you fall out of the tree after you land in it, that's where, you know, the worst stuff happens. But, right. you know, if it's trees mm. or water, go to, go to the trees. Don't, you know, they look scary and, and pokey, but the water will kill you dead. So, you know, I can't speak for anybody but myself, but I, I hate to see anybody pick the worst of the two options. If you got those two options presented, whatever the mistake was made back there, it don't happen when you go in, it happens further back as most do. That's the bailout game. But, but if you got trees or water, always pick trees. I guess, you know, the water's shallow and forgiving. Maybe, maybe that is the option, but, but that's that's something to consider just from real world experience. Hey, Deweese, and what I, what's your favorite tree to land in, Deweese? Oh, I'll take a pine tree. It's soft. And I was told you're supposed to land in the hardwood trees. Yeah, they'll catch the glider a little better. You, proper Beautiful. tree landing technique implies you center the tree and your canopy kind of goes over the top bushy part. And so when you fall, I mean, it probably will wreck your glider, but that's what keeps you the safest. If you try to go in between them and weave in them, you might hit limbs and you can fall out of the limbs. So, so you know, I need to take an oak all tree? Different flavors, but can we do I need to take an oak tree out? Yes. Okay, I'll, t I'll head for an oak tree. <laughs> Just don't, don't hurt any squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about the squirrels. <laughs> Just land in a beehive. Ah, oh, no, this is a bad tree. <laughs> Over in Kansas, you know, you land in the grass, and then you got the wheat, and then the the tall grass, right? That's <laughs> we got a lot of pines here. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was something that I was just recently told as uh, go for the hardwood trees, and I was like, oh boy, it's gonna be a I'd have to hunt the the oaks. Oh, not you know, here. When I'm traveling to new places. The, one of the one of the things I really like to do is sort of hike the area and explore it on foot, and picture myself having to land in that sort of terrain. You know, what kind of stuff is sharp or hard or, you know, soft or you know maybe when I was at the Pacific Northwest, the trees there were three times bigger than anything I'd ever seen around here. And you know, I was I was with Kevin can fly. He was we were kind of taking a nature hike around this little nature trail and. And uh, it's like, you know, those trees are nice and soft on top, but the limbs don't start 50 feet up. And these other trees, they look a little gnarlier, but the limbs go all the way down. So if you're self-retrieving, it gives you a ladder to sort of climb down. And uh, you right. know, just look what type of tree to go into based on where you're at. Right. That's, um, you know, the desert, the cacti, you know, <laughs> what kind of cacti do I want to go into? Avoid those choices. Those things no are nasty. Yeah, I'd probably rather straddle a swaro than a, a choya. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Martin, what do you like to straddle? <laughs> Bicycles. <laughs> Horses. <laughs> All right. Um, any other questions? Any other topic on fly-ins? Um, what's the next fly-in anybody going to? Oh, what's the first one coming up? The ones out, Salton Sea, February, Salton Sea, Flying Circus. Those then, are... something's going on in Florida, I'm sure. Okeechobee. Yeah, it, yeah. There you one go. Like this week, isn't it? What? Oh, is it your birthday, Steve? Oh, it is. It's I was never birthday. born. I was found in a fortune cookie. 
Happy birthday, Steve. <laughs> yes, happy birthday. Yeah, I didn't know that. Happy birthday, Steve. Guess how old I am. Look at the grays. 38. Mm, no. What? How do you know no, that? He's not that old. <laughs> he's been there. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you that 20 old? 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm 30. You're not 58, Martin. No way. Uh, 57. Man, he's got some Bill H genes in him. Whew. <laughs> USGPA has the fly-ins list, yes. You had plastic surgery and, like, a lift and all that sort of stuff. I got to thank my mama. <laughs> well, I know right. a certain somebody that will appreciate Okay, it. well, my butt hurts. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get up. <laughs> For what reasons? There you go. There he is. That's the part we all know. <laughs> okay. Asking you guys one last time, we need a thumbs up. We need that because we need more people to get us some subs subscribers. And um, I've got some, um, it was brought up tonight about the spinny wheel. No, not doing the spinny wheel. Um, I need some more help on subscribers first. And I'm got some upcoming things coming shortly. So hopefully we'll You're be able to give away place. stuff. Got to remember, it's just me sending this stuff place. out. So help me out by giving some thumbs up so we can get more people viewing the, the shows each week. So I'll try I to put out the up. word. Yep. You know, do, do you do advertise Jade on Paramotor or all these other social sites? Do you advertise before the show goes on? Yes. Okay, good. That's yep. that's one way to do it. Yep. That's the only I thing know. I can think. Where, where can we find you on OnlyFans? I don't know what that is. OnlyFans. Oh yeah, you fly a Nirvana. You don't when you need fly one paramotor only, right? It's your only fan. That's yeah. Well, OnlyFans is where you show your feet and you make some bucks and stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, Jay. I've never heard Sorry. of that. I told you he might come on. Do you know I what I know. do? <laughs> All right. So, Martin, if you are, are you willing to stick around? You can stand up and stretch if you want. But if anybody wants yeah. to come in in an after show, Martin, do you have a YouTube uh, page? I do. <laughs> What's well, your YouTube the shirt right there? Your name? You know what, Martin? If, if I were in wed, I'd take you in a manly fashion. M J H. PPG, and that's on YouTube, or is that MJH PPG? Yes. MJHPPG. Everybody knows where they can find Kyle Lowe, Hot Buttered Steve. You put any new content out lately? Yes, you did. Yeah, he just had a movie today. Yeah, a Kyle Lowe movie. Yeah. Come on. Speaking of movies, I want to go see Avatar. Man, I know. I love me some Avatar. Three and a half hours. Be ready. Yeah. 3D. I'm going to go see Saturday in Wichita. <laughs> hey, All right. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight and sticking it out for two hours. Wow. Um, <laughs> Yes, great show, Bill H. Thank you very much. And everybody that's in the chat and watching, 
on this regular is two TV. hours of my life I'll never get back. Exactly. But you loved every minute of it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for, for tuning in. And uh, if you ever need to reach out because you don't understand what's going on with the flying and you ain't doing nothing around uh, September, show up to Endless and let's break bread. Right on. If you don't see if we don't see you on the air, we'll see you in the air. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Good Bye, call. safe everybody. Good call. Guys stick around. Have a good night, everybody. All right. It's all notions of our emotions of everything we are.